they do advertising because they think they should, not because it's actually driving business value or they don't even know exactly how to do that. We're talking over $450 million in ad spend. You don't have to outspend your competition if you get really smart about where you're spending your money. Welcome to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io, the legal marketing company the best firms hire when they want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies can't deliver. Each week, you get insights and wisdom from some of the best in the industry. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. All right, let's dive in. Jacob Badsgard is the founder of Disruptive Advertising. What started as a side hustle in 2012 has grown to a team of over 160, managing over $400 million in ad spend. I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Guys, when I started rankings and had just crested the 2 million mark, I had different challenges and Jacob was the person I turned to. He even introduced me to the Profit First model. If you haven't read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, I highly recommend you pick it up. It'll be linked in the show notes. So I brought him back on today to get into leveraging data effectively, what to do before you dive headfirst into advertising spends and how to foster long-term employee retention by reinvesting in their development. Before Jacob started disruptive advertising, he was a senior marketing consultant at Adobe. So what gave him the confidence to go out on his own? Here's Jacob Badsgard, founder of Disruptive Advertising. When you look back on the little things that had to happen just the way that they did, it's always incredible to see how beautiful life is at just navigating its way forward. There was two moments where things came together for me. Number one is in an annual review with my manager, I was the top performer in the department, and he was excited to tell me I was getting my, I don't remember, 7% raise or something like that. And I thought, oh, no hard feelings. He's doing the best that he can. And this just totally doesn't do it for me anymore. Like this, like, it just doesn't do it for me. And so that was the moment when I realized it was time. Because I thought I would be a, an analytics consultant freelancing, I actually needed to find a job to uh, go past my non-compete period with Adobe. And so I found a job in between and some of my friends and former employers, I actually helped them set up analytics just pro bono because I loved them and wanted to help them be successful at their small businesses. And, and that was my jam. I knew how to connect marketing data and actual business data and the outcomes that it was driving. And so in some of these situations, I would come back to them with these beautiful reports and say, here's exactly what's going on with your marketing. Here's exactly what you should do and you'll perform better as a business. And then what they all said was, Jake, that's so cool. We don't know how to do that or have the bandwidth or expertise to go and execute that on our own. And that's when things shifted from, oh, I'm not going to be an analytics consultant. This is actually analytics to get paid media performing better. And they need someone to actually run and execute that for them. And so in that in-between phase, that's where I realized the real product market fit, I guess you could say, and had enough use cases of like, okay, cool. I see how this works. Um, I was past my non-compete, built up a, a small book of business to the point where I could break off and get going. And, um, and that's how the pieces came together. I imagine the analytics side really lended itself nicely to growing and scaling accounts and getting to these major spend. Guys, we're talking over $450 million in ad spend. So not a little amount of data. So talk to me about that and kind of the early on of, of bootstrapping the business and, and kind of these these early sacrifices you had to make to, to kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, well, I did free work. That was one of the sacrifices that I made was I got to prove to people uh, that I can actually give them business value. 
Chris, what I see always happen with a lot of businesses is they do advertising because they think they should, not because it's actually driving business value or they don't even know exactly how to do that. And so with the thousands of businesses that we've worked with over the last 10, 11 years, our data shows that like 70 plus percent of their ad dollars that they're spending are just totally wasted because they don't know how to spend it effectively. And in your industry and in most industries, people get really fixated on like a cost per lead, but then never connect it to the CRM or the thing that actually shows how many cases, how many business outcomes are happening as a result of that. And so that's the, that's the, that's the part where I spent all of my time and energy. And once we could connect those dots, if the business math worked, that's when you can start spending more and spending pretty aggressively because you know exactly where to spend it to get the ROI. And so the word disruptive advertising came from, you don't have to outspend your competition if you get really smart about where you're spending your money. And you can actually get a lot more bang for your buck and not need to increase your budget. So you guys clearly do a lot of ad spend. You know, for the personal injury attorney, listen, you guys do SEO, you guys do some lifestyle marketing. Tell, just kind of give me the gauntlet of what you guys do and just how you're a little bit different than maybe other agencies. Uh, we're about 11 years into the journey now as an agency. And we are best known for paid media. Think of Google ads, social media, those types of things. That's what we are the best known for. And I believe the top rated in the country for uh, on the paid media side of things. We have expanded our service offering over the years. So we actually take more of the position of get a performance marketing team in a box um, that can actually execute in all of those areas for you. And so businesses that love working with us are typically more established in that five to $50 million in annual revenue and want to have a marketing partner that can bring the full team to the table to help them succeed. And so like, that's where we shine. That's where we thrive. I've seen a lot of art articles on paid ads, you know, like the hourly, you've got the percentage ad spend, you've got the fixed fees, you've got the performance, you know, one of the things, and, and I, I, I would love because you, you, you have the rebuttal, right? You've had this conversation or heard it a million times is like, that's kind of counterintuitive, like the, the percentage spend, which is most common is a little counterintuitive what you said, because like, the reality is they might be spending 20 grand, but only need to spend eight grand. Is it just, hey, you still do the percentage and then there's this huge trust component because look, I just saved you a bunch of money? Or you know, how did you approach like that decision? Uh, because many of the personal injury attorneys listening probably doesn't excite them to spend, say, a 20% on a 100K ad spend a month, right? Versus maybe that fixed fee. And it, it kind of gets that situation where they're thinking, should I hire an in-house or should I work with someone external? You know, it's so funny. I had the extreme examples of that is early on with the agency, I did performance only models and it was based on business outcomes. And um, because I knew that I could figure out what was working in their marketing data. And I had one client that was paying me $4,000 a month. And I said, Hey, if I can drive you more leads at the same quality, will you split the amount of money that I save you on a cost per lead basis? And he said, that's no brainer. Of course I would do that. And I said, I know it is no brainer. You're just going to save money and grow your business. And so I went and executed, delivered. And it, it took me from charging 4000 a month to like $35,000 a month. And he said, we actually had like a yelling match over this in his office. He didn't want to pay me because he's like, you didn't spend that much more time. Like, why should I need to pay you? And I said, because I delivered the business value, right? And that's what we agreed to. So that's why you're going to pay me, right? And um, that's the extreme case of when you go only performance-based, what I found is that entrepreneurs and business owners say, well, I'm running this business and taking the risk so I can get the upside when we have these breakthroughs happen. And um, 
So I thought the performance models would be great, but I realized in the end, people always say, oh, and I don't want to pay you that much. And then when it's just percentage of ad spend, you're correct. All the ad platforms and agencies get motivated to just have you spend as much as possible because that's how they make the most money. Look, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say there is some bias on our end to spend more money, which is why we spend a lot of our time and energy in investing and in connecting the analytics and the different data sources so that we can say, look, you actually don't care how much you're spending as long as it's producing the business outcome. So let's get that tracked so that when we come to you and say, here's how much you spent and here's how much business performance that's giving you, are you ready to grow more? Do you want to spend more to actually get more cases, more outcomes, more whatever? And then it's more of like a joint decision. And ours is, we actually do a flat fee and, and then usually a flat fee or a percentage, whichever is greater. Um, that way we can make sure that we can keep top talent on the account, even if we do reduce the amount of ad spend uh, that, they're, that they're putting into that. And so we've kind of tried to find the balance, but I feel like the data is the way to find that true balance to make sure it's translating into business outcomes. I think that's super smart for, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of times we've seen it with like clients that want to pause, right? And it's just like, okay, well, I got to take these people off of this, right? Or so I think it's smart. And then also sometimes there's these setup fees or they want to target different practice areas and then you need to go build out all the landing pages and things like that before you can really crank the spin. So I, I like that. I think that's kind of a, that's different. That's like an in-between, and I think it's smart to kind of protect both sides. You've really had this tremendous growth trajectory at your company and are right now around 160 employees. I imagine it brings all kinds of challenges from hiring and retaining people, shaping the culture and getting everyone aligned. So let's talk about that crucial area. How do you get all those people rowing in the same direction? Well, I haven't figured that out completely because not everyone's rowing in the same direction, but the goal is most people are rowing in the same direction and they're not here too long if they're not rowing in that direction, right? But the best word to describe it is messy, trial and error. And one of our core values, Chris, is win, win, win. So if we can't see how our employees win, if we can't see how our clients win, and if we can't see how that produces sustainable growth and profitability for the business, we will not make the decision. We will not proceed with the change. And that's been kind of our balancing core value that when we say, hey, we want to grow by this amount next year, or we want to prioritize working in these types of industries, we always come back and say, does this contribute to a win-win-win? Because if it doesn't, it will be short-lived. If it does check the box on all three of those things, the business, the employees, and the clients are winning, then it actually feels great and people are more naturally incentivized to row in the same direction together. So we're not perfect at that, but that is the core value that we lean back on to help us navigate moving the business forward. And I think we do a good job with it. I imagine that that value also contributes to not taking on clients that you shouldn't, even though they may have the budget, but may beat up the employees a little bit or want all this bespoke craziness that you know, doesn't fit you know, the normal things you do. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've got over 100 employees and everyone's looking for labor-based leverage. So tell me about just like maybe things that you think about in terms of like, say, HR and managing people. So many companies, including myself, I was really resistant to HR because, you know, I don't like those non-revenue generating employees. And it's just like, I don't need that, right? Everyone likes each other. <laughs> and then you need to recruit a bunch of employees. And then you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll pay the outsourced company that doesn't have our values, right? Tell me about 
just how you approach and think about this, about labor-based leverage and, and growing the staff and, and, and doing your best. Like you said, it's, it's not perfect, but if, if they're not rowing the right direction, you get rid of them. It's kind of like choose your hard. I mean, I love that quote. There typically isn't a solution that's all peaches and roses and just feels fantastic all the time. Let's talk about HR for just a minute. And I'm pretty careful about that because it's easy to get a company or HR that tries to start keeping all of our employees happy. And then it starts to become the culture centered around trying to keep people happy. And Chris, when you try to keep someone happy, what I'm actually communicating to you is I don't think you're capable of keeping yourself happy. So let me solve that for you. And that's why it never works because you can't solve that for someone. They have to solve that for themselves, which again, one of our core values is inside out. We can't feel better on the inside by trying to make everything outside of us change. We actually have to go inward first to solve that. I want to create a culture that's based on our values and our higher purpose as a company. I think marketers bring a true gift to the world, which is when a marketer is living authentic to who they are and supporting a business that they believe in, magical things happen that I cannot replicate with any training program, with anything. That's what matters the most. And our core values and our training is what is centered around helping marketers remember and live in alignment with who they are. And then we will only work with businesses that we like the person we're going to work with. And the business at least has a good why behind their goals. And then when those things happen, that's how we create a culture that is more sustainable, that attracts, retains top talent and attracts and retains uh, great accounts for us to work with as well. Many of your accounts have been over with you for over four years or longer. And in the ad spend, so in the SEO space, I know maybe some of those listening may think that it's, there's a, a lot of turnover. Clients tend to be with an agency longer uh, in the SEO space typically than, than what, at least my experience in ad agency. Uh, it seems like there's a lot more turnover and, and that just speaks to kind of what you're talking about is you know, trying to take on the right clients, trying to be transparent with the data. I bet the personal injury attorneys listening are probably like, okay, Chris, ask about ads, right? There's constant changes to Google ads since we last talked to you. You know, now there's Performance Max and there's Google local service ads. In the legal space, just as a whole, what do you see as like being most effective? Talk to me about just capitalization, maybe overall big picture. What, what do you see in that space? I think what differentiates in any, any industry, especially with PI, and attorneys, is we are moving from a special a marketing specialty world where you go and find specialists within platforms that know a, a secret button or a secret lever that's really going to move the needle for your business. And as we move into a more AI-dominated, data-dominated marketing world, the businesses that win have the best strategy and have the best data. Those are the companies that will win moving forward, not the ones that figured out the hacks. Because a lot of those levers are frankly just going away. <laughs> They're just going away as things are more automated. And so then if the right strategy paired with the right data is what allows a business to really hone in on those types of customers, clients that are going to be more profitable, get more of the right business at the right cost and feed the different marketing ad engines, the data that tells them how to find and acquire those types of leads coming in, coming in the door. And so that's just from a macro standpoint, strategy and data is what will win, not little hacks within marketing platforms anymore is what I'm seeing. And that, that is the hack now. <laughs> 
I couldn't agree more just, just from the limited data that we have, the ROAS type bidding, you know, getting the data from the CRM and the lookalike audiences and, and everything from that aspect is just a huge advantage when those individuals have it. And those willing to give access to the CRM to truly understand, yeah, I, I, I see a goal conversion, but was it an actual case? From what I've seen, Performance Max, which I think it does have a place. I think some of the maybe marketers listening would disagree, but I think it does. Sometimes the data is a little false leading, right? You'll, you'll see those goal conversions and you're like, oh, it's, I'm doing Performance Max, but it's, it's happening to bid on my brand and my name, right? Yeah, you got to tell it to look for the right things. Because the things that are more automated, I always think of Performance Max as like a remnant media approach. It's going to find any remnant media that no one's buying and try to put your ad there and hope it produces something, even if it's a low quality outcome, like you said, a lead, but a lead that isn't a valuable lead coming into the business. And uh, you can you can tie in great data to help it know what to look for in the first place. And then it can automate and accelerate and take advantage of those remnant media areas that does bring in lower cost traffic and potentially lower cost leads, but that can still be quality as well. Yeah. The other thing I've seen too, just on the PI side is it's Google recognizes who the big media spends and big brands are. So the performance max tends to bid on their name, even when they're not doing the keyword selection. So then you've got your, you know, your Morgan and Morgan and sending out the cease and desist letters to add the negative keywords, even though the individual didn't potentially use their keyword on the platform. I've always been the mind, you know, if you take a PI attorney and the cost per click in certain areas is, is extremely high. Is it better to avoid it entirely if you're undercapitalized? And, and, or is there just a difference? You know, obviously you can bid on your brand, or do you wait until you can actually deploy sufficient capital to get economies of scale instead of maybe doing a 20 mile radius around the office? You maybe do the whole state, maybe you can pick up lower CPAs there. I mean, maybe this is just. It and it depends type of scenario, but just what's your thoughts on on just the capital side of things? I've seen a variety of approaches work. From a business standpoint, typically the business that wins in the end and that dominates the market is the one that can spend the most in marketing and get enough revenue on the back end. And so that's why the ones that are a good enough business model will spend more on billboards, will spend more on paid media online, will spend more, and they'll just own and saturate the market and just leave everyone in their dust. But you can't start there. Like, unless someone just gives you truckloads of money to do that, I think that there's an approach that's just smart. And I think paid media fits in like you were saying. I actually think it's not the first thing you start with. I think it's the thing that you ease into over time because we've got a good practice going now. We've got a good close rate on the leads that are coming in. We're profitable. We've got a lot of these things dialed in. Now we're like protecting our brand with paid. Now we're doing selective paid media. We're finding that we can put a little more gas on the fire. Hey, our, our guys are all busy. We don't want to spend a ton of, on paid media because everyone's booked with cases right now. So we can turn that, we can turn that channel off for a minute. And then over time, you can actually build into a little bit more of a dominating play when you have a business that can absorb the lead volume, that can absorb a blended return from all marketing channels. And then you can just pick and choose where you want to dominate. And so I see it more as a progression. And then at each stage in that progression, I think paid media plays a very different role. You know, most individuals are funding through bootstrapping through free cash flow through operations, or maybe they're taking on a little debt, but it's, it's certainly not a scenario. For, it's, it may be changing in Arizona for the non-attorney ownership, but in, but in most states, 
you know, they're, they're, they just don't have the capital to deploy. So that, that's really helpful for the, the audience. You know, I, I want to continue on the effective leadership side. So I know you have like this certification program for your employees or leaders, and I think you were spearheading it and it's a really big passion of yours. And could you just tell me a little bit about that? Because I found that really intriguing about how you're taking the time to try to develop not only employees, but just better humans at the company. Well, we're all in the people business, regardless of what industry that you're in. And the more that people feel seen and heard and appreciated for who they are, the better they're going to perform in life. And um, over the last 10 years, we've developed, we actually give everyone a personal development budget in the organization. And then we provide programs that support using that budget. And if we don't provide something that is in alignment with what they're looking for, then they can use that budget to go and get certified in something that we don't provide as a business. And so there are three pillars that we look to support our employees with. The first one is personal. And on that one, it's very centered around helping them remember who they are and living in alignment with that. So think of understanding your personality strengths. Think about uh, understanding your personal values, things that you don't compromise. Uh, Think about evaluating your environment and making sure that your environment at home, at work, uh, the food that's in the fridge, the how how money is being spent from the checking account is the environment set up to live in alignment with those strengths and values. Um, and, And just seeing cool things like people paying off their debt, getting not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. Uh, making big breakthroughs in their marriages and those types of things. Like on the personal side, we invest a lot into that. On the professional side, we want them to be badass at what they do. And so we really invest a lot in making sure that they understand a business strategy because a lot of marketers just do marketing things and the number goes up and they think that's a win. But a lot of the times those don't translate into business outcomes. And so I try to focus more on understand business so that when you do marketing for businesses, you high five when the business wins, not when a marketing metric goes up. Um, And then the last one is we like to amplify their uh, community impact. So this year, there was between 30 and 40 of us that went down to a a couple of orphanages in Mexico together and just served for a few days, uh, got to remember and all of the blessed and abundant lives that we have and go down and serve and just rub shoulders with each other that way. And so we really try to focus on that personal, professional, and community impact uh, with our program. And I'm actually launching that in 2024 that will be more public-facing, not just for employees at the agency, uh, called Disruptive University. And uh, so that will be live in 2024. Man, fantastic. And having known you for several years now, I've, I've seen the impact yourself too, right? Through, through fitness, through health, through all things. Uh, I think you did a, you did a marathon or two. I've seen like the lifestyle changes and it's, it's been really awesome to just see that in yourself as well. Kind of also, you know, living those values and those, through those principles too. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, this has been so awesome catching up. Super excited for what you guys are doing. Have you back on the show. Where can our audience that's listening go to get in touch with you and connect? Personally, LinkedIn's the best place to connect with me. Agency is disruptiveadvertising.com. And then keep an eye out if you're interested in accessing some of the content on disruptiveuniversity.com as well uh, as we roll things out there. Thanks so much for Jacob for sharing his wisdom today. Let's hit the takeaways. Time for the pinpoints. Hacks won't cut it. In today's AI-driven landscape, looking for tricks will keep you left behind. You need airtight strategies paired with data to harness the full power of your marketing spend. The businesses that win have the best strategy and have the best data. Don't dive right in. Ease into paid ads. 
Wait until your operations are smoothed out as a business grows before opening the ad spending floodgates. Paid ads work best when you have full control over the business fundamentals. Typically, the business that wins in the end and that dominates the market is the one that can spend the most in marketing and get enough revenue on the back end. But you can't start there. We've got a good practice going now. We've got a good close rate on the leads that are coming. We're profitable. We've got a lot of these things dialed in. And then over time, you can actually build into a little bit more of a dominating play when you have a business that can absorb the lead volume, that can absorb a blended return from all marketing channels. And then you can just pick and choose where you want to dominate. Assemble a team that stays and plays. Invest in your people through training and development programs. Foster community spirit inside and outside work. This indirect approach yields better talent retention, company culture, client relationships, and sustainable success. Jacob invests in his team through the three pillars of personal, professional, and community. Well, we're all in the people business, regardless of what industry that you're in. And the more that people feel seen and heard and appreciated for who they are, the better they're going to perform in life. For more information about Jacob, check out the show notes. While you're there, please hit that follow button so you never miss an episode of Personal Injury Mastermind with me, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. See you next time. I'm out.